Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of First Kings. The book of First Kings in chapter number 18. The book of First Kings chapter number 18. Again, we're in our series of Elijah and Elisha and studying the ministry of these two men of God. And we're at the very beginning stages where we've taken time to describe the setting of it and how evil and corrupt the government was and how the people responded in kind to be disappointed with God, <laughs> disobedient to God, to uh, just go away, disbelieve God. But that's exactly when Elijah came. And Elijah came, God brought him to put his finger in front of the face of Ahab and said, it's not going to rain until I say so. And then he disappeared from sight. We know that God has protected him and that for a while he fed him by the ravens and then he fed him by a destitute widow woman. But now God is ready to do something. Three and a half years have passed, and now God has, has the stage ready for Elijah's return. And so notice with me, if you don't mind, as we run into an important person who's going to be an immediate, someone who goes in between Elijah and Ahab to set up a meeting by the name of Obadiah. Notice with me, if you don't mind, the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. The book of 1 Kings chapter 18, and notice with me in verse 1. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself to Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And Obadiah and Ahab said unto Obadiah, Go into the land unto all the fountains of water and unto all the brooks. Peradventure we might find grass to save the horses and mules alive, that we lose not all the beast. So they divided the land between them to pass throughout it. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. And Obadiah was in the way. Behold, Elijah met him, and he knew him. And fell on his face and said, Art thou that my Lord Elijah? And he answered him, I am. Go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, What have I sinned that thou would deliver thy servant to the hand of Ahab to slay me? As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whether my Lord had not sent to seek thee. When they said, he is not there, he took an oath of the kingdom of the nation that they found thee not. And now thou sayest, go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. It shall come to pass as soon as I am gone from thee, that the spirit of the Lord shall carry thee whither I know not. And so when I come and tell Ahab, and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. But I find thy... 
but I, thy servant, fear the Lord from my youth. Was it not told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord, and how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophet by fifty in a cave, and fed them with bread and water? And now thou sayest, go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here, and he will slay me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts liveth, before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we see about Obadiah in 1 Kings chapter 18? The book of 1 Kings chapter 18, and notice with me in verse number 3, where it says, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. <clears throat> Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. And with the Lord's help, we want to do a character study from this passage here on the person Obadiah and see what was described of him, that he feared the Lord. Obadiah feared the Lord. And with the Lord's help, let's go to the Lord to him and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God and allowing us to have the privilege of opening up your word and to see your word. Thank you so much for the man, Obadiah, and how you used him in this time here and the testimony that he had. We're asking that you would help us to learn from his testimony, that we could learn ourselves what he himself had lived about having a good testimony for those that we work for. I'm asking that you would just let it be clear, let it be easily understood, and let it be a help. And again, the only way it will be help is if you do this. So the best I know how, I surrender me, my thoughts, my ambitions, my goals, what I want to get accomplished. I give that to you, and I trust you to do your own work in whatever you see fit to get done. Again, you draw people. You help them to be alert and attentive to what your spirit speaketh. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we continue with the story of Elijah here, we could see that it came to pass after many days. We know that three and a half years have passed. Three and a half years Elijah has been missing. Three and a half years Ahab has been searching. Now remember that this is an agricultural society that is put in a desert landscape. They are dependent upon rain. And so God has been getting the attention of all the inhabitants of Samaria. And he has allowed it not to rain. Now remember that this is a direct attack on Baal, the thunder god. This is the god that Ahab chose to switch to when he married Jezebel. So instead of worshiping Jehovah God, they are worshiping Baal, the thunder god. The god that's supposed to bring rain. And so people have been praying to Baal and nothing has happened. That this peep squeak of a preacher, he's the guy that needs to be found because Baal is no longer answering prayers. Remember the first year they would have just laughed at him, but the rain didn't come and they said, oh, it's one of those things. Year two, they're starting to get a little bit more desperate. By year three, they have Elijah's face on every milk carton, on every post office. They are looking for him everywhere. So much so that Obadiah brings up that Ahab went to every neighboring country, every neighboring region and says, is Elijah here? And so much that Ahab threatened them with war. If I find out you've been harboring Elijah, me and you, we're going to have some words. 
So can you imagine Ahab's been pretty desperate looking to everywhere trying to find where is this Elijah guy? Where is he at? Elijah is number one most wanted person in all of the land of Samaria. And if Ahab could just get his hands on Elijah, he'll make him pray. He'll make him pray. He'll make him do something. We got to find this Elijah guy. And so now desperation has been going on. So much so that even the cattle have been uh, suffering through. The horses. There hasn't been enough water. There hasn't been enough uh, (laughs) things to allow the crops to go. And now without grass for things to eat. The animals have now beginning to suffer. They've been getting to die. Things are starting to get pretty desperate. And this is the time that God decides to bring Elijah back into the center of world events. If you don't mind, as we see, he comes and meets a man by the name of Obadiah. And Obadiah here, we do see that God has described several things about Obadiah, his character, his service, whom he is. And if you don't mind, I'd like to take some time from the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. And let's do a quick character study on Obadiah and see who this man is that Elijah is dealing with. The first thing I'd like to show you is Obadiah, a faithful servant. Obadiah, a faithful servant. Notice as we talk about him being a faithful servant, the first person I want you to show that he was faithful to is he was faithful to God. He was faithful to God. Notice, if you don't mind, as the Bible describes him in verse number 3. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. Now notice as we start off, we see that he he was a governor of Ahab's house. But notice in verse 4. For it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord. That means that Jezebel had outlawed any preacher who served God. So could you imagine such a wicked queen that she said, here's the new decree. If you find a preacher, your job is to kill him. And she killed hundreds of preachers during that time. Anyone found within the borders of the northern kingdom, anyone found within Samaria, they were to be killed. And Jezebel was looking to kill each and every one of them. When Obadiah found out, notice what he did. That Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. So here's Obadiah. He fears God. And he realizes that Jezebel's killing all of God's preachers. And so hundreds of preachers are dying. So what he did is he stashed a hundred of them. Fifty in a cave here and fifty in a cave here. But not only did he stash them, he has also been smuggling bread and water to them so they would survive. So a hundred preachers are hiding away. A hundred preachers that if Jezebel could find them, they would kill them all. But yet here's Obadiah who is using his influence, his station, to protect God's man. These preachers, because he fears God. He knows that God's the true and living God. And he wants to take care of the preachers. And so he's been smuggling bread and smuggling water. Remind you that this is a famine in the land. So much so that the water has been dried up and there's not even been grass growing. And Obadiah has been using his influence because he feared the Lord to take care of these preachers when they're the most wanted. Because he wanted to honor God. Because he feared God. Because he knew who God was. And he wanted God to be pleased with him. So the persecutions began. 
Obadiah stashes them away. He's taking care of them. He's showing himself that he's a faithful servant to God. But not only is he a faithful servant to God, but at the same time, he's a faithful servant to Ahab. Notice as it describes him again in verse 3. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Obadiah had worked his way up to be pretty much second command. His job is to take care of the things. The king would decree it, and Obadiah would make sure it was carried out. He would work hand in hand. He had this opportunity. Now, what's strange about this is that his king is wicked and clearly evil, but yet he's still being a good servant to a wicked and evil king. He's giving the best of his ability. He worked his way to be honest and trustworthy in his master's eyes. Obadiah, I'm trusting you to take all of these cattle and find some water. I'm trusting you with this. Obadiah, I am trusting you with this. That even though Ahab was wicked and evil, Obadiah has worked so well for him that Ahab trusted him. And so Ahab splits off the flock. And he takes part of the flock and he gives Obadiah the other flock and says, let's go find some water. Maybe one of us can find something that they could eat. I'm trusting you with this responsibility. Another thing that we find here is not only Obadiah's faithfulness, but we also see Obadiah's fear. Obadiah's fear. So as... (coughs) Obadiah is wandering around looking for water from a spring, from a creek, from anything. They start looking for this. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 7. And as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him. And he, that's Obadiah, knew him, Elijah. And he fell on his face and said, Art thou my Lord, Elijah? Now, it probably just scared the tar out of him. He's minding his own business, looking for this. And Elijah says, just stands there. And Obadiah looks at him and says, whoa, falls down and says, is that you, Elijah? And he answered him, verse number eight, I am. Go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. So can you just imagine this? Elijah was always good at presence. So he just looks at Obadiah and says, you go tell Ahab, I'm here. Well, Obadiah is not very happy about delivering this message. Notice in verse nine. And he said, what have I sinned? That I would deliver thy servant, and that thou wouldest deliver thy servant to Ahab to slay me. His first response is like, What did I do wrong that you want me to die? If I go up to Ahab and I said, Hey, I know where Elijah's at, I'm going to die. What did I do? Why do you hate me so much? Notice in verse number 10 As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whether my Lord had not sent to seek thee. And when they said, he is not there, he took an oath of the kingdom of nation that they found him not. Meaning Ahab's been searching for you all over the place. And if I just come back and say, hey, there you are, there's, he's not going to be happy. Verse number 11. And now thou sayest, go tell the Lord, behold, Elijah is here. It shall come to pass as soon as I'm gone from thee, that the spirit of the Lord will carry thee away, whether I know not. So when I come and tell Ahab, and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. But I, thy servant, fear the Lord from thy youth. So he comes up and says, Elijah, this is an issue for me. 
If I go tell Ahab, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to say, hey, I found Elijah, and we're going to go out here, and by that time, the Spirit's going to make you disappear, and we're not going to know where you're at, and Ahab's going to like, oh, you saw Elijah? How come you didn't capture him? How come you didn't grab him? He says, you're putting me to risk. He's going to kill me. I mean, this, anybody who knows where you're at, they're in danger right now. This is probably a legitimate fear, after all. Jezebel's been killing every preacher that she possibly could find. So this isn't just his exaggerated imagination. He says, this is a dangerous thing. I, this is a legitimate fear. What are you going to do? But notice this, as Elijah, Obadiah continues on. We start with Obadiah's faithfulness. Then we go to Obadiah's fear. But then we could see this. Obadiah's faith. Obadiah's faith. Notice this as he goes on and describes what he has done. <laughs> he says at the end of verse 12, But I thy servant fear the Lord from my youth. Meaning I've trusted God since I was young. I've had this testimony of trusting him. Was it not told my Lord what I did when Jezebel uh, slew the prophets of the Lord? And how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water? He says... I've been faithful to God. I, I've been doing what I'm supposed to. I've been trying to honor the Lord with this. He says, but now you want me to go and tell Elijah's here? He's going to slay me. But as we see this, we want to tie in a principle here. That we could see Obadiah's faith. That even though he was working for an evil, wicked, sinful man. It didn't mean he compromised. With the Lord. That's what he's trying to tell Elijah here. Hey I know I work for Ahab. But I still fear God. I still obey the Lord. I'm still following after him. And we understand that principle applies for us as well. That we work for people. Most of us <laughs> had worked one time or another. For a lost employer. For someone who's not saved. Maybe an employer that's not right from God. Maybe an employer that may not have all of his ducks in a row. Maybe not be the most ethical person. Maybe just be a sinner. But you understand that there's still a principle. That even though our boss may be wicked and sinful. We have the requirement not just to be a good employee. But, but to be the best employee. That's a biblical principle that's found throughout the word of God. I'll show it to you in a second. We have that requirement to be the best employee. Because we're not doing it for God or for the employer. We're doing it for God and his testimony. Let me show you this principle in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Now this is found throughout the scriptures. We're just going to tur turn to one clear passage. The book of Ephesians chapter number 6. The Lord understands that we don't always have the privilege of working for a good Christian boss. We have to work with people who are sinners. Sometimes our boss is not right. You look at Obadiah. Didn't he serve one of the most wicked men who ever lived? The Bible says that Ahab provoked the Lord. This is a guy who tried to kill every Bible believer found within the kingdom. And yet Obadiah still was faithful to God working for a sinful employer. 
Notice what the Bible says concerning this in the New Testament. The book of Ephesians chapter 6. And notice with me starting at verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. Meaning that they're human, they're living. You obey your masters. If they're your biblical authority, if you're, they're your boss, obey them. With fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. As unto Christ. Notice this fear and trembling. This fear and trembling, the Christian should be afraid. But not of their boss. But for fear of the Lord. Because they fear the Lord. Because they love the Lord. Because they want to please the Lord. They obey their boss. Why did Obadiah serve a wicked master? Because he was obeying God. He was doing it for the Lord's sake. Not for Ahab's sake. He was doing it for the Lord. When we serve and work for a, uh, a secular employer. A sinful employer. Maybe even a wicked employer. An employer that's not right, not saved. We are still supposed to do our best as unto God. We're, do, we're serving God him. So whatever the boss gives us to do, we're to be obedient to it as long as it's not illegal, immoral, or unbiblical. We need to do our best to it. Now remember when it's talking about obedience, it's carrying the idea of submission here. Because it's good, God's good and perfect and acceptable will. So if the boss tells you, go file those papers, guess what God's good and a perfect and acceptable will for your life concerning that moment is? To go file those papers. And if you're going to do it for the Lord, to do God's will is not simply just to do it. It's to delight in it. To delight in it. We're supposed to delight in what God has given us to do. To be the best employee that we possibly can. Be afraid of disobeying or disappointing our God. Notice as it talks about it again in verse number 5. Servants be obedient to them. That are your masters according to the flesh. With fear and trembling in singleness of your heart. That word singleness carries the idea of a wholehearted dedication. Meaning with a singleness of heart you are doing it with your whole heart. We all know that there's times in our life. Where the boss asks to do something. And we do it half heartedly. The Bible says that if we're going to be right with God, because we fear God, that whatever our employer asks us to do, no matter what it is, as long as it's not illegal, immoral, or unbiblical, it is God's will for us to do. And we're to do it with a singleness, a wholeness of our heart. Now, this doesn't make sense to the world. This is opposite of what the world teaches. What the world teaches for you to do is to try to get away as much as you possibly can at work. That being there for eight hours, you might get one hour of work. People don't know how to work. But when you're working for the Lord and not your employer, that's something different. I'm at this job doing the best I can to please God, not the boss. My job is to please Him. And God has asked that I be not just a good employee, but the best employee. Notice verse 6 as it continues on with the thought. Not with eye service as men pleasers. We're not there to kiss up to the boss. 
Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Notice again, twice in two verses, it says a singleness of heart. Doing it with your heart. You are doing it for the Lord with all of your being. Not just an outward thing, but you're doing it. This is what God has given me to do. The boss says, clean the toilet. Praise the Lord. I have the opportunity to clean the toilet. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. You understand what this means? This means that when you do your job, you are to be the very best. The very best. Verse 7. And with good will doing service as to the Lord. And not to men. Our eyes at work are on the Lord, not the boss. You understand, God never gives us a reason or opportunity to rebel. Well, I don't have to do that because you know my boss is a scumbag. It doesn't matter how much of a scumbag he is. God's the one you're trying to please. This means to be your best. So, if you're at Walmart and they tell you to pick as many as you can, praise the Lord, you do the very best that you can. If your job is to clean, praise the Lord, you do it with all your heart, doing it unto the Lord, asking God to help you with it and having a good time doing it. I'm doing it for the Lord. It's a wholeness of heart. There is a difference. There should be something different about a Christian who works than a regular civilian who works, a non-believer that works. There should be a total difference just by the way you work. Someone could say, I can tell that you believe God. I can tell that you fear God. I can tell you're doing it as unto the Lord. There should be a difference in how someone works. This is what the God is saying, that you're doing it unto the Lord. As we open that up, I like kids, so let's make it personal to you. Guess what you get to do? You have the privilege and opportunity to go to school. And guess what God's good and perfect and acceptable will for your life is? To be the very best student you possibly can. Now, of course, what student has never said, the teacher hates me, the school's out to get me. It doesn't matter if your teacher's out to get you. You're doing it for the Lord. You're doing it to please Him. Your job is to be the best student you possibly can. Now let me define the word best student. I am not talking about someone who is intellectually gifted. Because oftentimes those are the poorest students. The weakest students with the worst character. Because they don't have to try. As someone who's taught high school for a while and taught many other classes. You want to know what the definition of the best student is? The student... That tries their hardest. They put in the effort. They're not lazy. They don't procrastinate. They do the job they're asked to do. And do it as unto the Lord. You all have the project. The famous science fair project. Oh man I have to do this assignment. Oh the dreaded research assignment. I got to do a research paper. All right. well I'm going to wait. I know I've got a whole month to do this, but I'm going to wait till five hours before and then I'm going to start and I'm going to whip it together. There's no way you did your best. And you said, well, I got an A, but you're not pleasing to the Lord. The best student is not those who are intellectually gifted. It is those that do their best working hard to please the Lord in everything they do. 
You say, well, my best is a B. Praise the Lord. If you did your best before the Lord, then praise the Lord for that. We're not talking about those who are intellectually gifted. It is those with a single of heartedness, with their heart that says, I have this assignment. It's not what I would choose to do, but I'm going to choose to rejoice in it because it is what God has given me to do. And I want to be pleasing unto him. You understand this affects everything. It doesn't matter if you work at Walmart, you work at the gas station, you work at the hotel. It doesn't matter if you're a student. If God has given this to you to do, it doesn't matter if your teacher is the wicked witch of the West and you can prove it. Your job is to do pleasing to the God, not to the teacher. It's to Him. It's all about Him. Do you fear Him? Do you honor Him? That is why Ahab is able to go to Elijah and say, Listen, I fear God. I feared God from my youth. That is why God Himself at the beginning of this passage said, Obadiah feared the Lord. Because Obadiah, even though he worked for a wicked, evil master, Obadiah served God by obeying his master. And did his very best. And this principle is repeated in the New Testament over and over and over. But it's also given in principle in the Old Testament. Perhaps you might remember a young lad by the name of Joseph. Joseph was sold to slavery by his brothers. And I'm sure there's times that your brothers or sister thought about telling you if they could get away with it. But Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was dragged away into a land where no one believed God. And he was placed into a house and sold as a slave. And so you would almost expect that if he was a normal person, well, he just did his best. He survived. He just did what he was supposed to. But that's not the testimony of Joseph. The testimony of Joseph said he did it for the Lord. And everything he did, he did for God. So much so that his boss trusted him with everything. And his boss didn't even know what the accounts were because he trusted Joseph that much. By the way, that didn't happen overnight. It wasn't just day one, I'm a slave. Day two, I'm running the house. That was testimony building up. And you would think, well, that's great. But then his boss's wife lied against him and put him in jail. And now he's in jail. But you know what happened while he was in jail? He did his very best unto the Lord with everything that was given to him. And he was running the jail as a prisoner. Because he did his best as unto God. He could have gave up and said fine. He could have rebelled in his heart. But everything he did that God gave him, he did with a singleness of heart. And he did his best for the Lord. And God honored him for that. So much so that the Bible says in Potiphar that because of Joseph, God blessed <coughs> um, Potiphar's house. Because of Joseph, God blessed the jail. Because of Joseph, God blessed Egypt in the midst of that famine. Because here was a man who didn't work for Pharaoh, didn't work for Potiphar, didn't work for the jailer. He did it as unto the Lord. Even if you go back to someone that may have not been the best ideal of character, but you take a man who was Joseph's daddy by the name of Jacob. And Jacob, 
He may have been a liar and a supplanter, but he was pretty good at herding sheep. And even Laban says, the reason why God blessed me is because of you. Even Laban admits that. Because you had some people here that were not in the ideal situation. By the way, Laban wasn't the great boss. Jacob said, listen, he changed my wages seven times. Not only did that, he switched wives on me on my wedding day. That's a bad boss, by the way. But he says, I'm not doing it for my boss. I'm doing it as unto the Lord. That God is using the boss to tell me what God's will is. So when the boss tells you to clean toilets, guess what? God's good and perfect acceptable will for you to do. It's to clean the toilets. When your teacher gives you a homework assignment, guess what God's good and perfect and acceptable will for your life is? To do that homework assignment. And to do it with singleness of heart. That it should be the testimony of every born again Christian who loves God, who fears God, to be the very best at your job because you fear God. That's the testimony that we find here. That's what we see here listed in the Bible. That's what we see for Obadiah. That Obadiah, it's not a conflict of interest. It's always been for the Lord. And that he could still serve God and honor God while he's still serving a wicked master. Because he's being obedient to what God has given him to do as long as it's not illegal, immoral, or unbiblical. He's to do it with a singleness of heart. Again, the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Notice that God has put the will of God and ties it into the orders of the masters. Verse 7 with good will doing service as unto the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. It says that God's going to reward you. As you're obedient to him, God will bless you. Now what happened to, what happened to Obadiah? Well, as we turn back and see what happened, notice with me again in 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings 18. Well, the good news is that Obadiah didn't die. That's always a good start. <laughs> Notice as it says here in verse 15. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts liveth, before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him that day. So Obadiah went and meet, uh, to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And Elijah was there, by the way. Obadiah was obedient, went and grabbed Ahab. Ahab didn't kill him, came back and met with Elijah. And we're going to see the next phase of this account on Sunday morning. But we could see here a character. Obadiah is such an important character because it shows that even a believer can work for a sinful employer and still be pleasing to God. Isn't that encouragement? Sometimes again, people get in their minds an idea of rebellion. Well, my boss isn't saved, so I don't have to obey him. Not if you keep your eyes on the Lord. Some people get things crossed and say, you know what? I just need to work for a Christian boss. That doesn't solve anything because it's a matter of the heart. If God's placed you where you are at, then do your best where God planted you. Bloom where you're planted. Be the very best for the testimony unto God. God will reward that. 
And again, this is easier said than done. Because it takes a purposeful in our heart. You don't do this by accident. It is a purposeful intent. It's a lot of praying, God help me to do my job competently well. It's a lot of depending on him. God help me to have the right attitude. Help me to respond properly when they give me something I don't want to do. No child wants to do homework. But you can have a good attitude during homework. No employee wants extra work. But you'd have a good attitude when you're doing the work. Because you're not doing it for them. You're doing it as unto the Lord. So I ask you, how are you doing at work? Are you the best? Not because it comes easy, but because you put forth the effort in serving the Lord at what you do. This is what God has given us to do as a testimony to the world that the God we believe in is true to us. And is evidenced by our life and how we live and how well we serve the human masters that God has given to us. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 920- Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.